welcome to the SA for FA's Asset Allocator Podcast, a series that addresses issues of current interest to financial advisors, including ETFs, asset allocation, and the economy. It might not sound like it, but I'm actually out today. Not to worry, though, we have a guest host and a topic you will find of great interest, which you will hear in just a moment. But first, this message. If you're a financial advisor, you should be using Seeking Alpha Premium. I'll mention just two items I personally think are valuable for advisors. Number one, advisors typically get investment research from their own broker-dealer, and it's good to cross-reference that with the research available to Seeking Alpha Premium subscribers. Number two, the quantitative ratings available to premium subscribers are an incredible value-add because they make it possible to compare investments with mutually consistent data. In other words, it aids in getting different investment ideas to talk to each other, as it were. These features are just the tip of the iceberg, and it costs only $240 for an annual subscription. Click on Upgrade on the top right of your Seeking Alpha homepage to see a full list of benefits and options. I'm your guest host, Mike Hennessy of Harborcrest Wealth Advisors. Thanks, Gil, for the opportunity to speak with your audience. I'll try not to mess this up too badly. Today's topic of conversation is about underappreciated risks in the fixed income markets. Before we get started, though, I thought it'd be helpful to summarize my background and experiences. I'm founder and CEO of Harborcrest Wealth Advisors, an independent fee-only RIA based in South Florida. Prior to starting my advisory firm, I spent over a decade at BlackRock and other institutional managers analyzing and trading fixed income and derivative securities. Now, with that out of the way, let's dive right into today's topic. We're going to review three underappreciated risks in the bond market and what investors and advisors can do about them. The three risks we'll review are credit risk, and specifically credit quality risk, liquidity risk, especially as it pertains to the burgeoning fixed income ETF market, and that oldie but goodie inflation risk. Now, it's worth noting that there are certainly more than three kinds of fixed income risks. I don't want to make this podcast a bond math 101 session, but some of the other standard risk measures that all fixed income investors should know and worry about are duration, how bond prices move with interest rates, and convexity, which measures how duration changes with interest rates. Additionally, there are a whole host of other risks to consider, of course, from spread risk to reinvestment risk to currency risk. I remember early in my analyst days running reports with seemingly dozens of columns highlighting some very specific bond risk measures. Of course, whenever there was some sort of mini blow up in the market, that precision didn't always lead to accuracy, but I digress. While all of those risk measures are observable and in their own ways important, I want to focus on the three that I believe are getting short shrift with investors. So without further ado, let's talk about credit risk or more specifically credit quality risk. The investment-grade or IG corporate bond market has really grown over the past 20 years. According to data from BlackRock, global capitalization of IG corporates is over $10 trillion as of 2019, up from just $2 trillion in 2001. In the U.S. itself, corporate debt as a percentage of U.S. GDP now stands at 47%. I promise I won't make this a podcast stuffed with numbers because that's the audio equivalent of watching paint dry, but I think it's important to frame where we are today. So now that we understand the size of the market, why is credit quality a concern? Well, the percentage of corporate bonds that are one level above junk is quite astounding. Globally, bonds that are rated triple B, 
that's the lowest level investment grade using S&P's rating scale, have gone from roughly 17% in the early 2000s to just over 50% today. I'll repeat that number because it really is amazing. 50% of all corporate bonds are one notch from falling into junk territory. So if you're a passive investor and you've bought the aggregate bond index for yourself or your clients' portfolios, your portfolio today is simply more risky from a credit perspective than someone who bought the ag back in the early 2000s. So what's the scale of the problem? Data from Morgan Stanley shows that a significant volume of triple B rated bonds were downgraded in previous downturns, such as the Great Recession and in the early 2000s. Something like 25 to 45% of IG bonds were downgraded to junk. If these same downgrade rates hold, that means 600 billion of triple B bonds will fall into the junk drawer. And when the eventual downturn happens, we can debate the date, but it will happen at some point. There will be a lot of unhappy holders of now junk securities, perhaps even investors or vehicles that can't hold junk paper. And this dovetails nicely to the second risk I wanted to discuss, liquidity risk. According to data from the New York Stock Exchange, flows into ETFs totaled over $270 billion in 2019, with just over half going into fixed income ETFs. Today, there's over a trillion dollars invested in fixed income ETFs. This is actually quite an improvement in bond market liquidity, at least from the perspective of the end investor. Previously, one would have to use the mutual fund structure to get broad exposure to the normally more opaque or fragmented bond market or buy pieces of bonds directly from treasury or other issuers. Now though, getting something like emerging market IG credit exposure is as simple as a literal click of the mouse. Just like pulling into a drive-thru to order a chicken sandwich, quick aside, I'll take Chick-fil-A over Popeyes, but pulling into that drive-thru doesn't let you fully appreciate the supply chain and the work involved to get that delicious sandwich in your hands while you're at the wheel. The same sort of principle applies with bond market investing. The bond market has always lagged the equity market in terms of automation. A lot of this due to the fact that while a company will usually only have one stock ticker, they can have dozens or even hundreds of individual debt QCIPs, different issue sizes, different coupons, different maturities, different terms of covenants, etc., etc. So while overall digitization of the bond market is incrementally improving, there still is a lot of trading happening over the phone or in chats. Further, and a full discussion of market depth and breadth, it's a little heady for the podcast, but trading sizes are noticeably smaller in the fixed income market, particularly in the corporate bond market. Why does this matter? Well, if that $600 billion of downgraded securities needs to change hands because that investor or vehicle is investment grade only, who is going to facilitate that and, and how? Sure, it's easy for the end investor to click the sell button, but if a human on the other institutional end needs to pick up the phone and lay off that risk in size, they'll have a demonstrably harder time. Effectively, the fear is that the fixed income ETF market may be overpromising liquidity. The last risk we wanted to cover today was inflation risk, something not seen outside of Venezuela or Argentina since the late 70s and early 80s. There is an element of boy crying wolf here since inflationary pressures have moderated substantially, but the winding coil of lower and lower interest rates only adds more fuel to the fire to mix a couple of metaphors here. Uh, just recently, Ken Griffin, founder of the hedge fund Citadel, made comments at the Economic Club of New York saying that he considers a jump in U.S. inflation to be among the biggest risks to financial markets and says the country shows absolutely no preparedness for such an event. 
Surely the Fed is monitoring all sorts of inflation indicators, both qualitatively and quantitatively. And while comparisons to the mid-late 70s Fed leadership and low-rate conundrum may apply today, don't discount the impact of exogenous forces or unknown catalysts. I don't want to go too dystopian on this one, but oil price shocks due to geopolitical risk or other frictions to international commerce could be the tinder to flame up prices. Whether or not that happens, the thought and the threat of it taking hold would force the Fed hands at that point, effectively taking away the low-rate, easy-money punch bowl. How will borrowers, corporations, and governments respond? You know, Past history suggests it won't go well. So what are we to do? For starters, know what you're owning. Passive investment, if that's your style, shouldn't mean an abdication of risk management. You have to recognize that your fixed income portfolio is not without risk, meaning it might not always act how you think it will in times of crisis. Being more informed on these risks will help you with your overall asset allocation. For instance, if you've invested in higher yielding securities like junk bonds for your bond allocation, while also maintaining a heavy growth equity portfolio, you may be what we called in the trading world as Texas edged. You should also keep your clients informed as well. Of course, you got to know how your clients prefer to consume the information you're providing them, but showing them different scenarios or having a discussion about risks they may not be thinking about shows that you're on the ball and you're being a diligent steward of their money. Plus, it's another opportunity for a touchpoint and an important one at that, keeping you top of mind with your client. Hopefully this wasn't too downbeat of a discussion. I, I don't want to imply that I believe any of these risks will be immediately realized, but I always prefer to be informed, especially on the risk front, just so I can make better decisions over time. Thanks for listening. If you found this podcast of value, Gil and I would be much obliged if you would pass it on to one other advisor and to keep this FA project growing. You can reach me at mike.hennessy, that's H-E-N-N-E-S-S-Y, at harborcrestwealth.com. And you can reach Gil at gil at seekingalpha.com with any feedback. Thank you and have a wonderful day.